I kind of had this for a long time thinking, well, if I just, if I just create the best information, if I just kind of, you know, do the best in sort of put it into other languages, if I just do the best treatments and offer the best service, surely the clients will come to me. And it's just not true. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to make those offers. So the book stops with you is really kind of, no one's going to come and help. You've got to make it happen. Hi, I'm Adam Chatterley, and this is the Beauty Business Podcast. It's a podcast for people who run a beauty or wellness business. Basically, if you provide treatments or services for your clients, then it's for you. Now, whether you're a skincare expert, a lash technician, a massage therapist, esthetician, permanent makeup artist, waxing specialist, whatever your area of expertise, if you'd like to have more prospects, more leads and more clients than you can handle, and if you'd like to be making more money whilst having more fun than you think should be legal, well, you're in the right place. So whether you're starting out or you've been in the industry for years, I'm going to be giving you the lowdown on the tools, strategies, techniques and systems that will help you. Plus, I'll be offering some inspiration and philosophization to ensure you start having more fun. And more importantly, you're making more money in your beauty business as quickly as possible. We're proud to now have over 1 million downloads worldwide and hundreds of five-star ratings and reviews. This is the podcast specifically for independent beauty business owners. So if you want to check out all the episodes, the guides, the downloads, the links and the giveaways, or you want to say hello and maybe ask a question, just head to beautybusinesspodcast.com. Hello and welcome along to another episode of the Beauty Business Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here for another episode. So come on, pull up a chair, let's sit down, let's have a chat. Now, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the messages I've been getting recently about the podcast. Yes, I've been a little bit more sporadic with it recently. And everyone's sending me messages saying they're so glad it's back. They're so glad that we're producing the episodes again. That's been amazing to really, really hear. Um, in fact, on a recent Facebook Live, a bit more on that, shortly. Um, loads of people when I was on the live were saying how much they love the podcast, how much they've missed the podcast, how much they're glad the podcast is back. So that's been really, really great to hear. Now, if you've recently discovered the podcast, what'd be cool is if you wouldn't mind just hopping on over to iTunes or whatever app you listen to it on, leaving the podcast a quick review, even just a rating where you can just kind of click a number of stars or something like that. But if you've got an extra couple of minutes, um, leave me a quick review. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of. Tell me what you love, hate, anything like that. That'd be really nice to hear. Now, before we get into the rest of the show today, which is a goodie, trust me, um, I want to let you know, I'm looking for a few smaller beauty business owners who want to add kind of a couple of grand, two to three K a month in revenue to their business every month over the next eight weeks. We've got, if you haven't heard, we've got a program that we call Money, which does exactly this. Uh, and it's been doing exactly this for about the past 18 months with the people that have been running through it. But we've taken on board a lot of the feedback that people have given us. And we've kind of made some changes, some tweaks to it to make it, I think, even quicker and easier to get through the program and to get the results. And we want to test it out just to see how quick we can get you through there and how quickly we can get those results, that extra money, that two to three grand coming back in again. So I'm going to be working directly with just a small group of beauty business owners, giving you my personal attention to see just how much we can bring in in revenue over that eight weeks. Now, you need to fit a, a couple of very specific criteria. So if you're either a solo beauty business owner, or you have a very small team, 
like you and maybe two other people. If you're under three grand a month, so under 3K a month in revenue at the moment, and you want to get closer to that eight grand, 8K a month mark, you're in. And if you've got, if you can commit 90 minutes, around 90 minutes per week to work with me over the next eight weeks, then I want to hear from you. So that's solo or small team under 3K a month and you want to get to 8K a month. And if you've got 90 minutes that you can commit each week, not in one block, but over the course of a week to working with me to get this done, then I want to hear from you. All you need to do is send me an email to adam at beautybusinesspodcast.com and put the word money in there, either as the subject line or just as one word in the email. That's all you have to do. So adam at beautybusinesspodcast.com and just include the word money in there. And I will reach out to you with all the details and let you know what's going on. Okay. So back to today's show. And uh, we've spoken about repetition repeatedly, multiple times, uh, because this is something that we all fail to do. We know that in our social media platforms and our email list and in our world in general, you know, we're constantly bringing and attracting new people to us, or we should be um, all the time. And we kind of forget that those new people, when they come in, they weren't with us from the beginning. So they don't know our journey. They don't know what we do. They don't know all the nuances about our business. Hopefully they've been brought in by something that resonates with them. Um, but, you know, we need to keep telling people what we're doing, reminding them who we are, what we stand for, particularly. So what we stand against, and what we stand for, because that's really the thing that's going to help you stand out in your marketing these days. And, uh, you know, this is something that has been on my mind and I've never been interviewed on my own show before. Yes, we did an episode back in episode 100 where I kind of answered a bunch of listener questions, which was great fun, but I've never actually been interviewed on my own show. Now, recently, I was asked very, very kindly by the amazing people over at the Skin Professionals UK group over on Facebook, if I would uh, do an interview with them, if I would kind of tell them a bit more about what I do in my day job, what I do for the UK Spar Association, how I kind of got into that world, because I've already been helping quite a few people in that group. Now, if you're not familiar with the Skin Professionals group on Facebook, it's a really amazing group of very professional, um, driven beauty business owners. In fact, the group itself really is a forum for supporting beauty therapists to really deepen their knowledge and become much more trusted skin experts. They're all about mentorship and collaboration and peer support as well. It's a fantastic group. Highly, highly recommend. If you are, if any part of what you do in your business is to do with skincare, then I highly recommend you go and join them. If you want to find them on Facebook, they are Skin Professionals UK. Just go search for that and I'm sure you will find them. But anyway, last week I did an interview with the amazing, the unstoppable Sarah Hurst, who's one of the admins of that group. All the admins, I should say, are amazing, hugely, hugely knowledgeable skin professionals in their own rights. And they really keep uh, a good eye on that group and make sure it's all positive and it's all helpful. So I can't say enough good things about them. But I had an interview with Sarah. We had a great chat. And whilst it was initially kind of supposed to be about my background, we got into some really good, deep business discussions. Things we touched on were things like you know, the business lessons that I've learned in the past that I've helped me get to where I am. And I try and pass on to as many of my clients as I can. Also, some of the biggest myths about our industry um, that are still kind of pervade around there. But also we got into what I think are some of the most important strengths 
that you need to have as a beauty business owner in today's world, as well as still some of the key frustrations that I have both about the industry and about the way that business owners believe they need to be running their business. We even we even got so deep as to end up talking about legacy. So it really was a fantastic interview. And I thought it would make an amazing uh, episode to share on the podcast with you guys, partly for the insights that are in there, but also partly to kind of reintroduce myself to you if you are new to the podcast and you know, you'd like to know a bit more about my background and how I came to be doing what I do, and also some of the other things that I do kind of behind the scenes as well. So without further ado, what I will do now is I will hit play on the button for the interview. And uh, like I said, if you want to go and check out the Skin Professionals group, just go and look them up on Facebook. So welcome to tonight's webinar, where we welcome Adam Chatterley of the Spar Association and as a beauty industry coach. I'm Sarah Hurst. I'm one of the Skin Pros UK. And yeah, we're just really excited, Adam, to have you here tonight. So tell us um, how you actually started in this fantastic industry. Like a lot of things in my career, kind of happy accident, to be perfectly honest. Um, I was working straight out of university as, well, I was working at a golf club, actually. And uh, my degree was in economics and business process management, which sounds terribly dull, but um, <laughs> I was kind of looking at down the barrel of going to these kind of management companies they're like some price waterhouse and capture them and i and all those and just didn't want to do that um so a happy accident this guy came and, and played the golf course where i worked and i sort of was showing him around and turns out he owned a software company that built software for golf clubs and uh one thing led to another and he was like Look, we don't have anyone on our team who actually understands how a golf course runs we can build the software but not how it actually works. So I ended up going to work for them to sort of help them make their software more um, applicable to a golf business. Now, this was 1999, which shows how old I am. Um, but they had all of, the, all of the big golf clubs in the UK and a few around the world as well. And at this time, a lot of these golf clubs were starting to build these things called spas. And nobody at this company had any idea what a spa was, how they worked, all this kind of thing. Yet, the companies that they worked with these golf courses were like, we want the same system that we use to kind of book golf tee times, but we want to use it to book therapists and treatments and all these kind of things. So someone had to go and hang out at Glen Eagles for three months and uh, basically understand how a spa works and then come back and explain it to the, the developers. And, and that's kind of what I did. So I kind of moved very quickly from this world of golf into spa, realized quite liked it a lot better. Um, and that's kind of how I fell into it. So from there, I helped develop this software for a while, built a few different software systems, and uh, ultimately then transitioned over into the sort of what today, I guess, would be called revenue managers. But ultimately, I was kind of freelance going around and helping five-star spas, hotel chains, that kind of thing, essentially make more money from these operations that they had. Wow. Wow. So yeah, that is, um, it's quite, quite some story actually, isn't it? About, you know, how you can just literally just be one minute in one industry and then another in, and thrown completely, you know, the opposite direction, another one, you know, it's just totally, amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah. So from there, obviously, you know, you've, um, become involved in the spa association and so yep. tell us more about, you know, that sort of side of things, Adam. So uh, I guess I've been involved with the Spar Association now for about eight years. And it was started up by 
a good friend and ex-colleague of mine that I worked with on a number of projects when I was doing um, the kind of consultancy with SPARs. And as it turns out, because SPA was still quite a new industry back then, um, there was no central representation. So there was no one organization kind of trying to coordinate SPARs, um, put in place kind of procedures and standards for SPARs, also give them uh, a voice kind of to the public, to trade, to press, to government. Um, there was nobody doing that like there are for most other organizations, most other industries. So a good friend of mine called Charlie Thompson uh, started up this organization called the UK Spar Association. And uh, it was kind of running for a couple of years. And I was at a, I was an event, some awards or something like that one night. And I was at the bar with Charlie, probably having a drink. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, I opened my stupid mouth and I just said, the thing is, I just don't really understand what the Spar Association does. And he turned around and he just went, that's great, Adam. Come on board and help us, you know, get that message across and help us change it. So I did. Um, and that was, yeah, that was eight years ago. So I originally came on board, oddly enough, as treasurer to kind of help make sure that things were paid for. Um, and I've stuck around for a bit. I've been on the board now for the past few years and I've been chairman for, I think this is coming up for my fourth year as chairman. Oh, wow. Okay. So quite a while then. <laughs> yeah, I can't seem to get rid of it. <laughs> so what, tell us a bit more about now your role within it. Obviously, you started out as treasurer, as you say. So what, you know, what, what's your role now and how are you trying to move that forward? So essentially, the I mean, for a few years, we weren't, you know, we kept going out to the industry and go, what do you need from us? What do you need from an association? Because a lot of the board had never been on a trade association. So we were in the in the nicest and, and um, most well-meaning way. We were kind of making it up as we were going along. <laughs> so we were trying to provide, you know, this, this central point of um, information for spas so they could come somewhere and we'd be kind of disseminating this information so all spas were working the same. We created kind of a code of practice. So all spas were hopefully operating the same, treating clients the same, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet. That's still an ongoing thing. Um, so we kind of knew what people wanted, but then, I mean, the real, the real kind of situation came about obviously over the last couple of years where the misunderstanding of our industry among people outside of our industry just shone so incredibly brightly, given that, you know, we didn't have our own business classification. We were still classified in the same kind of business category as undertakers, um, which was just nuts. No one understood how ventilation worked. So as soon as coronavirus hit, you know, they were like, oh gosh, saunas and steam rooms and spas, they must immediately shut because clearly they're a breeding ground for all forms of germs. Whereas actually, you know, a lot of spas are run in a semi-medical environment and probably cleaner than the vast majority of places. And, you know, so a lot of the, the heads of these organizations, so there was obviously NHBF, British Beauty Council, BABTAC, um, us, uh, we all kind of had to get together and not only lobby government to kind of get the message across, but kind of on the fly create a lot of information about our business that just wasn't there before. Like there was no, nobody knew how much this industry actually made. Because we had to yeah. try and attack it on, you know, from any point we could. And we figured, well, if we can help the government see how much money we contribute to the economy, maybe that's a route that we can go down. So we suddenly had to produce information about how much the economy, the, the industry makes for the economy. Um, we had to suddenly produce ventilation information about saunas and how 
you know, there was a genuine belief that there was no ventilation in saunas yet, as we very clearly said, you know, how do you think people breathe in there then? So there was a lot of this kind of going on. So we really kind of found our, our voice and our strength there. And that's kind of rallied a lot for the industry as it has for the other associations. You know, it's, it's made people understand why having a trade association is so important. So essentially my role on there now is I, it's, it's run by a board of volunteers. We have uh, two paid members of staff. We have a general manager uh, and we have a uh, marketing person. Um, but everyone else is run by volunteers. We have some amazing people on the board. My job is essentially to make sure that we stick to our promises, stick to our messages. Our members are treated fairly. Everyone's voice on the board is heard fairly. Um, we deliver on what our promises are and ultimately, you know, make sure that we are there both for the industry, but also the consumer within the industry and make sure that everything has been done as well as possible, as correctly as possible across the board. And that's great because we really do need that. You know, as you say, I think it really did become so apparent during the pandemic, as you say, you know, and I just, and I remember sort of seeing a lot of the good work that was going on with these associations that were, as you say, and it was good that you all came together and did that really, really good work and put us forward towards the government. I'm not sure completely how much they actually listened, though, sometimes. Oh, a lot more than people realise, I think. You know, I hand on heart know that if it hadn't been for the work of certainly our general manager, Helena, um, Leslie Blair and uh, the British Beauty Council, then we would not have been open when we did because the ignorance, the level of understanding of what our industry, A, does how much it's valued both financially, but how much it's valued by the general public, how much it's needed. There was so much ignorance involved that honestly, we'd have been shut for months longer if that kind of, you know, beating down of doors (laughs) wasn't going on. Plus, you know, there was the added complication of the different um, countries. You know, everyone had their own rules and made their own decisions. So that had to be kind of disseminated out to, to the the spas and everyone as well so it was it was a hugely challenging time but just so incredibly rewarding and it's so nice now i just was at an industry event a couple of weeks ago and literally every single meeting i had people came up and said i just want to say how valuable the information you were putting out was because we knew when we heard it from the spa association that it was true when it was fact and it had been checked and it wasn't just what someone heard a rumor about so yeah it was, it's been a huge shift over these last few years. Um, hugely proud to have been involved in that, but obviously the lion's share of the work for from our side was certainly by Helena and Yvonne, who is our current general manager now. Sorry. <laughs> we have a guest. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I mean, as Maria just pointed out, the jokes in Parliament really didn't actually help very much, did they? You know, in terms no, of, they really that, didn't. So, yeah, I think there was... Um, well, actually... They did not help, but they did cause a storm that helped us rally and it actually gained a lot of support. So while I will never say it was a good thing, (laughs) it it was it kind of was a bit of a kind of a rallying cry. So it helped us kind of really push an agenda forward. And people like Caroline Noakes, uh, MP, they kind of saw that, got enraged and helped us push our agenda forward. So whilst it was never a good thing, I think it's a, it gave us that extra kind of shove as a yeah. as a whole of an industry to to kind of really, you know, 
get our brushes. I think certainly Caroline's name was it was um, it suddenly became very well known in the beauty industry. <laughs> 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 like, who's Caroline next? Ah, oh, now we know. She's on a personal level, I'd like to say thank you very much for actually, you know, standing up for our industry, you know, you and Leslie and the others, you know, who did that work for us because it was just amazing. And as you say, I'm hugely grateful that you fought our corner as hard as you did, you know, as as a, a clinic owner myself. So, yeah, that was brilliant. So yeah. on a personal yeah, level, I always say much. this industry has been good to me and that's why I do the work on the board that I do oh, because oh. It's, it's given me a great life. And, yeah. you know, if I can give that kind of little tiny bit back to it, then. Well, you really did. So and we're, we're eternally grateful. And I'm sure there's many others on who are listening to this or will be listening to this, you know, back on a later date, you know, that will be hugely grateful for everything that you guys did for us. So tell us a bit about um, your work then, Adam, as an industry coach. And, you know, have you got your a particular USP there? You know, what, what's, you know what, what angle do you come at as an industry coach? So I've gone, like I said, I've been doing this for 24 years now um, in some guise or other. So it's very much been a journey. You know, I used to I used to be a pure consultant. I would work with the bigger chains, the Hiltons, the Jamiras, all that of the world. I lived in Dubai for several years. I was opening up all the hotels and the spas over there. So I'd say I worked, I started at kind of the big end, the, the five-star end of the market. And that was great for a period of time. But anyone who's ever worked in a kind of a big organization will know the levels of of procedure and bureaucracy that go involved with that. We're just getting insane. So I actually made the decision to move away from that. I was getting very frustrated. I'd realized that the thing that gave me the kick out of what I did was seeing the results, getting the results. You know, whilst it's true that the big corporations have a big checkbook and can pay very nicely, it was more about seeing the change that I could make. And that was becoming increasingly more difficult um, because of the layers of of kind of organization and things that were going on. So I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And I wanted to sort of, well, my, my vision was, look, I've worked with these big spas and I've made lots and lots of money for them. What I'd love to do is take that information and teach it to the independents who probably need it a bit more than, you know, the Hiltons of the world. Um, so I sort of naively thought, well, I could just take those lessons and just teach them to to independence, because surely it's the same things. Uh, how wrong was I? Um, it's <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, the stuff that they need is the same, but the the way it applies to them and the way it can be taught totally, totally different. So there was at no point that I kind of turned around and went, "I want to become a coach." It was more along the lines of, "I want to I want to help the independents do this thing I've been doing." But I then went on this journey of I can no longer be a consultant because. Obviously, the independents are much smaller. They don't have those kind of deep pockets like the, the corporations do. So whereas I could go into a corporation and charge $1,000 a day, that's just not going to work with an independent. So I had to find a new way to teach, a way I could kind of do it a lot more cost effectively and, and help more people at the same time. So I originally started this podcast, um, which has now been going for nearly six years. Uh, the Beauty Business Podcast. So I started doing it through that and just kind of sharing ideas, really. That got popular. And then I thought, maybe I can do this as a as a career. Um, so again, I had to go on a few different journeys, figure out the right way to do it. And I've gone on through that whole, you know, creating courses and putting them online, thinking I'll just create a course and millions of people will want to buy it. <laughs> but I think more and more so, 
the case is true. I think we've all bought an online course or an online membership, got all excited about it for a week, and then life's got in the way, we've forgotten about it, we didn't get the results, and then suddenly we realize six months down the line, we're still paying for it, and then we feel all bad about it. It's horrible. So really, I then went, do you know what? The way I'm going to actually get people results is creating a framework for people to work to, and then teaching it, but also coaching them through it as well. So that's kind of where the coach bit came from. And the more I've learned about coaching, a couple of years ago, I went and got coaching qualification. Um, And the more I've actually understood how coaching works, the more I've enjoyed that because I get to work, it's kind of a bit of a cliche, but I get to work on the individual and through them help the business rather than just go in and make the plan and do it myself in the business. So that's kind of the journey I went on. And in terms of then what I actually do, I realized, because again, I thought, well, I've done a, I've done all sorts of different bits. I've opened up spas, I've run spas, I've operated spas. I was involved as a supplier, an operator, a consultant. But I can teach people anything. I realized, whilst that might be true, I certainly don't enjoy certain parts of it. <laughs> so I realized the the thing I've always been good at is helping businesses make more money, get more clients, make more money, squeeze that profitability and just make sure everything is maximized. Numbers is really where I feel at home. So again, on this journey that I've been on, I've realized whilst I could probably offer some advice to some places about how to recruit staff, it's not what I know the most about. It's not my expertise. But can I go into business, spot where the money holes are, spot where they can make more money, help them price better, maximize that, get clients? That's what I do. Um, So now I say I help independent beauty businesses and independent wellness businesses uh, who aren't growing fast enough, get more clients and make more money. And that's basically what I do. What it says on the tin. And, you know, I'm, I'm Pretty not, much what it says on the tin. I hold yeah. my hands up. I'm one of those such guilty parties who purchase a course or whatever, and then it sits there. I've got probably shed loads, um, you yeah. know, that are sitting in a folder somewhere that I haven't really got around to completing. You know, free ones and paid ones. It's not, you know, some people say they don't value free ones or pe- do paid ones, but I've got paid ones and I've still not always done them. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the paid ones you value slightly more and then you sort of realise later there's there's more of a kind of buyer's remorse situation further down the line. Because if you, if you suddenly remember a free one you didn't do, you sort of just go, hmm, didn't do that. Whereas you go, oh, God, I bought that one and that cost me, hundreds of dollars and I, I never know. did. So there's, there's a bit more regret involved. But but yeah, that's that's it basically. I just thought going back to what I said earlier on, it's it's very much the result that I get the kick out of, you know, seeing people do. So while it's very nice people giving me their money, I actually want them to get the result as well. So <laughs> finding that right way to make it happen has, has really been this this kind of slight passion, slight slight journey. And now we've got there, you know, it it really does make the difference to me that we can do it, get them the result and and see the changes happen within businesses. Fantastic. And Justina, by the way, says, and hi, Justina, because she actually walked Ben Nevis with me on Saturday. So, <laughs> so she loves your podcast. So just to give you that little bit of feedback. So Thank you very much podcast. indeed. Hi, Justina. So, Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, tell us a bit more about what lessons you've learned along the way. I mean, you told us some of them already, but is there anything more specific that you can tell us a little, share a little bit more? Um, I'd, I'd say as a sort of general business lesson, the book stops with you. And I mean that in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, no one's going to come and help. It's your business. No one's going to just magically turn up and sort of do things for you. So I kind of had this for a long time thinking, well, if I just 
if I just create the best information, if I just kind of, you know, do the best in sort of put it into other languages, if I just do the best treatments and offer the best service, surely the clients will come to me. And it's just not true. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to make those offers. So the book stops with you is really kind of, no one's going to come and help. You've got to make it happen, which means stepping out of your comfort zone, doing the things that maybe you just don't want to do to make it work. But, but also accepting responsibility for that, accepting responsibility for everything that happens in your business. The bad, I think we're really good at. So if something bad happens, I think we're really good at feeling guilty about it and accepting that that was us. But I don't think we're very good at the good. So when something good happens, I think we always tend to kind of brush that off as, oh, that was a fluke. That was luck. You know, that just happened. Whereas if we're going to take responsibility for the bad stuff, we've also got to kind of take responsibility for the goods. And a big part of what we do is sharing wins. So in any of my groups, we place a huge kind of prestige on sharing wins, big and small, because, you know, work, running your own business is hard enough without, you know, beating yourself up at the end of every single day. So it's like, you know, if you get a new client, share that win. If you just have, you know, one day you get 10 followers, look at what you did, feel good about it, celebrate it. However, I think we're always quite hard on ourselves, aren't we? You know, generally. Massively. But what really did me come really good, you know, what was so good after the pandemic was sort of the networking and things that became, you know, really apparent where I think as a, as a, um, as a clinic owner, I think it can be a quite a low, it could be prior to that, it could be really lonely. And I think still, obviously for certain people, it can be really lo- a lonely business as a business owner. So you do, and I think it's quite hard on yourself. But, you know, I think now we've got the, you know, that what came out of that pandemic was so much more sharing and people then sort of helping and assisting and, and maybe giving you that pat on the back that as a business owner, you don't always get. So you're sort of not so yeah. good at maybe giving it to yourself. If you know what, yep. I, if you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. And the other thing is just, you know, kind of on the same lines, but, you know, don't lose sight of your why. Don't get so bogged down in the work stuff, you know, the the dealing with clients, the rearranging appointments, the late cancellations, all of the things that we've still got going on now. You know, it's very easy to get disillusioned. And, and I've had so many people come to me recently and say, I think I've kind of fallen out with of love with what I do. And again, it's very easy to do that when a day's not going very well. So Always come back to, you know, why did you start this in the first place? What was your motivation for doing it? And keep reminding yourself of that, because I think that's the only way to kind of get through those tough days is to is to keep reminding yourself of, of you know, why you decided to do this in the first place. And if that does change, you know, how can you get that back? Or can you find a new why to keep pushing forward? Yeah, cool. So, um, so tell us a bit more about the industry. How has it changed over the years? God, massively. Um, mm. I mean, I, I see the industry as much as it's very difficult sometimes because obviously we are all one industry taking everything from spa right through to, to beauty. We are one industry, but there is a sort of a, a, a difference at some point. Um, I would say from a spa point of view, uh, when I started, it was very much seen as a treat. It was something that is quite elitist. Um and, you know, you do maybe once a year and it was a gift and it was all about the pampering side of things. Whereas nowadays, and again, probably taking a leap after COVID, you know, now it's much more seen as part of a true wellness kind of regime. Um, it's for everybody. And, you know, it's more about 
how it makes you feel rather than just the pampering side of things. Um, I mean, beauty has changed even more. You know, beauty used to be just about the surface level, the outside side of things, whereas now hugely shifting and it has been shifting for a while, but, you know, so much more about, again, kind of how you feel, but that sort of outside, inside out kind of beauty, that sort of the things you put inside your body is Mm -hmm. more important than the stuff you put on it. The Um, approach, as they call it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think from a client's point of view, just they want, they want to see the results. Yeah, I was about to say it's about results, actually. That was the yeah. word coming into my head. It's results, results, results. And, uh, you know, so, no. and there is an element of, yes, how they feel when they're having the treatment. But actually, I think the results is more important. And, and uh, you know, what I see is actually the the feeling is after the treatment. It's because obviously it's the confidence that it can give because, yeah. you know, they, they look amazing and therefore they feel amazing and therefore their confidence grows. Absolutely. I look, I've, I've said for years, nobody comes to you for a facial. They come <laughs> yeah. to you for how that's going to, you know, what it's going to do from the other side. Is it going to make them feel better when they look in the mirror, give them more confidence, make them feel younger? It's, it's that. It's nobody comes to you. It's been, I used to make the joke with waxing. You know, nobody wants waxing. <laughs> they, want, <laughs> they want the other they want the side. Results. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something with a facial sometimes. I mean, I must admit, there are times where I just love going and having a nice scented facial, which will make me feel amazing. And it's really pampering and I can chill out. So, you know, and I don't necessarily care about the result. There are definitely times where that that's really appropriate, I think. Um, you know, obviously it will make your skin feel softer or whatever, but you just really, it's like going for a massage, isn't it? You just want it to yeah, massage make you feel. Yeah, the only exception, yeah. Yeah, but even, even massage though, really, if you think about it, there's the result side because, you know. I'm, oh, absolutely. I could definitely do with one today, Adam, you know, for my muscles. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there is. Well, you just walked up a mountain, Sarah, so I'm <laughs> so you know there is definitely an element to the need as well as well as the ones and the luxury but yeah there's definitely as you say both sides of it and i think yeah you know for me it's definitely the more towards the result side of, of treatment based you know definitely so tell us what you think is the biggest myth about our industry oh okay um oh good one uh, <laughs> the one the one that is kind of very surprisingly, and this is through my work on the, the Spar Association, has been highlighted to me recently is that it's still very much seen as an industry for those people who aren't very good academically or who aren't very clever oh, to go yeah. into. And I couldn't believe that was still the case. Um, but actually, the big campaign that we've got going on now is to actually try and shift that belief at a much, well, at school level, basically, because I was shocked to hear and we've gone out and done a lot of research on this, but still careers advisors, parents, people who aren't in the industry still see it as, oh, well, that's where you go if you're not doing very well at school. Mm. Um, and that was a big shock to me. So that's, that's I think, a huge myth, certainly outside of the industry. Um, in terms of in the industry and people that I work with, the, the myth that, so that one annoys me. I think the one that frustrates me most is um, that people still think that you can't make a lot of money running a beauty business um the amount of people i speak to is like oh well as long you know as long as i'm just making enough to get by that's all i need and i'm like that's no we can change that we can make serious money i've got plenty of clients who are on their own solo therapists um doing over 100 grand a year it's 
it's entirely doable. But I think the biggest struggle is this kind of belief system that no, 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 no. As a beauty business owner, you can only just about get by. You know, if you if you if you're paying for your costs, you're doing okay. And that's probably the one that, that frustrates me the most in our industry. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I really do on that one. Uh, one of our little sayings within the skin pros is, you know, we're not. I'm not just a beauty therapist, you know. So yeah. I'm not because oh. that because there is that belief, isn't there? And I think the media doesn't help because if you ever see a soap or something like that, you know, or whatever, it's that nearly every beauty therapist would all be always be portrayed by somebody who isn't necessarily portrayed as being particularly bright, shall we say? Exactly. So you know, and it's it's just this roll roll rolling thing all the time, and I think yeah. it's really important that we change that belief massively so yeah so we do it we're doing our bit but it's uh it's, for that as well hill <laughs> battle as it turns <laughs> i can imagine it probably is and we're we're hopefully we can be part of that battle as skin bros because as i say it's one that we feel very exactly. passionately about it's one that you know the uh the, the five of us have sat down and had some great conversations around that one <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> Um, so in your opinion, what's the most expensive, expensive, important strength someone needs to be successful in the industry? Um, resilience. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the, the biggest one. Um, I mean, resilience in any business, to be honest, because when you're running a business, you, you're going to have crap days. And I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes that the crap days are the ones that kind of compound. You won't just have one thing go wrong in a day. There'll be like seven things that go wrong in the day and you'll finish it just go, ah, I'd give up. Um, <laughs> so resilience, definitely. But I think I think passion um, because this is, as, as much as I say, you know, you can make really good money as a, as a beauty business owner. If that's your reason for going into it, you won't succeed. You've got to have absolute passion and dedication for what you want to do. And I'd say this is true for every single one of my successful clients. They have a real passion for what they do, whether it's skin, whether it is waxing, whether it's nails, whether it's permanent makeup, whatever it is, they just love doing it. They would do it for free, theoretically. You know, all, all the bills paid, they would do it for free. And I think that's the key thing you've got to have. If you've got that passion and that dedication and that drive, then I truly believe that you will get the clients and the money, you know, will come. But if you go into it just going, I'm going to open a beauty business because I want to make some money, then then in that case, you never will. Those people, I can't help. Do you, um, do you, are you seeing more of a shift towards um, beauty businesses sort of niching, like, you know, we are skin professionals or whatever, or you mentioned people who are doing waxing or whatever. Are you seeing that sort of shift towards, you know, niching? Definitely. With the people I work with, definitely, because it's something I encourage doing. Um, there's no two ways about it. If you specialise in something, you get paid more money. Um, again, that's another kind of cliche that gets rolled out. I try to explain it as the fact that as soon as you become a specialist in something, people start to hear your message because you're talking about the same thing all the time. So rather than just being that general beauty therapist, that beauty salon or whatever, you become the person who's known for waxing or skin or nails or permanent makeup. So your message resonates a lot better, but also you become more referable. Because again, if you're just the generalist, let's say, you know, a classic referral situation is someone's at a party, someone mentions that they're looking for, a, um, you know, that having problems with their skin or something like that. 
if you're just a general beauty therapist and someone hears that, they don't make that connection straight away. Whereas if you're known as the skin expert and someone at a party overhears someone saying, oh, I really need to do something about my skin, they immediately make that connection and can say, oh, you need to go and talk to Sarah because she's a skin expert. So that's why I believe that sentiment is true because, yeah, specialists know their craft, are better at their craft, you know, can charge more money, but equally they're more referable as well. So we'll get more clients. So certainly the people I deal with, whether whether it's their plan when they come to me or not, <laughs> they, they end up getting kind of steered down that journey a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I know I used to do like try and do everything. I mean, I've, I've probably trained in so many things over the years. I mean, I've done, <laughs> I've done nail extensions and, you know, which I, which I really hate doing now. I'm not now because I don't do, haven't done them for years. So, but, you know, stop doing them because I realized again that you become a bit of a jack of all trades if you're not careful and a master of none. You do. There's a, there's a, there's a sort of thing that seems more prevalent in beauty business owners than anywhere that you sort of think, oh, you know, client numbers have taken a bit of a dip or revenue's taken a bit of a dip, right? We, we should add stuff to our treatment menu. We should do more stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was the case for years. I always say there was, there was a salon somewhere near me, won't mention the name, um, but they used to put flyers through the door. And honestly, their, their, their flyer was like a piece of A5 card, kind of threefold. So it had kind of six sides on it. And it was just full, full of treatments with tiny writing. And I just look at it and go, there's so many things here. There's so much choice. It's like when you go to a, a restaurant yeah. and there's a menu and it's like 18 pages long. You're like, well, I don't know what to pick here. I don't know what they're good at. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it was this kind of belief that if you want to make more money, get more clients, you just need to add more stuff. Whereas actually going the other way is more true. Yeah. Um, and almost the very first thing I do with a lot of one-to-one clients that we work with is we go through all of their treatments and essentially look at the ones that aren't making any money and just scrap them because it immediately focuses what they do and how people see them. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, it reduces the choice. So people are a bit more kind of led towards the thing that they want to have. Brilliant. So, yeah, absolutely. So who has influenced you in your career? Who's been, who's been your biggest, you know, sort of cheerleader and influencer? Um, a lot of the time, me. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which sounds very big headed but yeah like you said it a lot of the time you're working alone so there's a lot of motivation there i'd say i'd say a huge influence is actually my dad um not that he worked in this industry at all but i think a lot of my work ethic and the fact that you know again going back to that results that i want to get people i think that's from my dad it's you know he uh he worked in the same job for years and when he eventually retired you know, the the cards that he got, the letters that people wrote him about how he'd helped them and helped move them forward. I mean, it was just brought tears to your eyes. So I was like, you know, that's what I want. I want to earn a decent amount of money for sure, but I generally want to help move people forward. So definitely my dad. But in terms of work, I've had a very strange kind of career in terms of the fact that I've always worked with women. Um, from when I worked with the spas, you know, it was always generally female spa managers. And so I've always worked with very knowledgeable, very driven, very passionate and professional women. So nowadays, when I see this kind of gender gap, um, it's always surprising to me because I've always worked with, with women who are amazing. So I think I've learned a lot from them. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I'd say they've definitely had an influence on how I view business and how I treat clients and all those kind of things. Fantastic. So, 
And what's the best compliment then that you've ever gotten? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, oh, I do always say, and it's, this is immediately going back to the previous question. Someone once said, uh, a, a kind of a slightly businessy networking event, um, you know, isn't he just like his dad? <laughs> it wasn't a family member and it wasn't just someone going, oh, doesn't he look like his dad? But it was like, isn't he just like his dad? And I was like, well, you know, that's what I wanted. So kind of done that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, a personal one. But there, there is actually, there's one that happened last year. I don't know whether it was a compliment, but it really kind of got to me um, in a positive way. There was a, a, a salon manager, salon owner, sorry, that I'd um, had kind of been floating around my world for a little bit. She, I knew she'd been listening to the podcast. She'd kind of done a few boot camps that I'd put together and things like that. And uh, she eventually joined one of my paid programs. And I knew it was a big challenge for her. I knew, you know, she'd been struggling. She didn't have huge numbers of clients. She was a single mum. You know, I knew it was a big stretch for her. So I really, really tried to make sure that every bit of help I could give her was, was just there. And, and it worked. And she added quite a lot of money to her business grew very quickly, but she sent me an email January last year. And she basically just sent me an email saying, "For the for, thank you, for the first time ever, I've been able to buy my kids the things on their Christmas list. Oh, that's, that yeah. That's, was yeah. Like, it was like, you know, I talk about money a lot. I talk about helping businesses make money a lot. And that can come off as a little bit kind of um, uh, superficial. But when I get emails like that, I'm like, well, that's why I do it. That's that's the thing that makes me, you know. Well, I don't think it makes you superficial in any way, to be perfectly honest, because that's ultimately, I mean, yes, we are all passionate, but we don't, you know, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, it might be something that we would like to give away for free, but ultimately it, most of us, I think, are really there to try and make some money as well as how to make money, you know, yeah, because that's yeah. what we live and that's, and that gives us the things that we want in life, the fun things as well. You know, I know I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that it is what motivates me. It's not necessarily the money itself, but it's certainly the end result of what money provides. So, which you is, know. Which is the tongue-in-cheek thing. So my, my biggest program that's kind of going at the moment is um, it's designed to help businesses get more clients and make more money in a specific range. So basically from people who are about, under 3k a month at the moment so they're probably doing a bit you know over one and a half grand but not quite at 3k yet and we level them up to about eight grand and it's doing really really well but i decided to rather tongue-in-cheekly call it money because when i used to when i used to stand up on stages in the real world um i'd always kind of stand up and i'd be like you know what's what what's everyone here for what does everyone want and I'd get kind of hands going up. Oh, I want some more clients. Oh, I'd like, you know, I'd like my social media to be better. I wish my marketing was better. And I was like, you don't want any of those things. And eventually I'd get someone who went, I'd just like more money. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> yes, you might want more clients. Yes, you might want your marketing to be better. But what's the result of that? It's you want to make more money. So, you know, we sort of decided to tongue in cheek, just call it money. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I feel like there's like a, a shame or a guilt, you know, about the, about that, isn't there? I think you know people actually admit, you know, what there is. I'm driven by money. People look, actually almost feel shamed or guilty or yeah. whatever, you know. I don't know why. I don't know one beauty business owner that is driven purely by money. Like I said, it's always passion, and I always try to sort of explain to people that money is not a bad thing. Money lets you train your team or train yourself. Yeah. It lets you get the premises you want, upgrade your equipment, you know, provide more time to your clients. So it's not all about you know that 
image that we have of maybe Scrooge McDuck swimming around in his kind of vault full of cash. Yeah. It's, counting, <laughs> counting it out, you know. Yeah. At the end so of the day. Kind of raking it in at night. <laughs> but, you know, it's what money does that's, that's the powerful thing. And that's, that's really yeah. what I try to get across to people. Exactly. It is, as I said earlier, you know, the end result, isn't it? You know, and yeah. if that's, you know, so if that helps to grow the business or it gives you a certain lifestyle that's, you know, fantastic and that you want and that's what makes you happy and drives you. You can, like, you know, take your family on holiday and afford to do those things that are really special and create memories. And I think that's really important. Definitely. You know, so... So what's your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for, apart from being like your dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's definitely an important one. But, um, honestly, uh, sort of personal-wise, great dad, dependable friend. I think that's, that's an important thing. I, I, I always want to make sure I do what I say, personally and, and in business as well. Uh, I think integrity, integrity is something, it's, it's something that's kind of missing. Um, and I think we all fall down occasionally, you know, we forget something that we've promised, but as much as possible, I think if we stick to our word, I think we'll, we'll all end up with a much better world to live in. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the sort of thing I want to kind of hang my hat on is I'm on a bit of a mission to create, I'd love to create a thousand businesses doing over a hundred grand a year. Um, if I can do that, then I think, uh, my time here would have been fairly well spent. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's quite a legacy. So that's quite a legacy to hand on. That's kind of my personal. So, yeah. I think that's a good legacy to have myself. And um, I'm sure that'll be... And then by the time you retire, I'm sure you'll get those cards flooding in as well. So, yeah. That would be nice. (laughs) Exactly. That's brilliant. So tell us what you think the future holds for the industry now and how you you can envisage it developing over Mm. the next, you know, however many years. That's a good one. I think... I think increasingly, and we've already seen it now, I think clients are going to get more and more discerning. I mean, they're yeah. already touched upon the wanting more results, but, you know, the, everything is getting more transparent. You know, they can we can go on whatever and look at a review of a business. We can make a decision so much more easily from wherever we are. Um, so I think that side of things is is definitely going to make things kind of harder on the one side, but also weed out some of the the less professional places. So I think it is kind of, kind of raised standards up quite a lot um so yeah that's that's definitely going to be a big a big change for sort of the the industry i think again more and more so moving forward that sort of inside out thing more about kind of the links between nutrition and what we put inside of our bodies showing more and more um results-based totally focused on on results not necessarily from you know instant results but clients just want to know that that if they invest in something, be it a product, be it a treatment, be it a coach, be it whatever, that they're actually going to get the results that they want to get at the other side. So I think that's that's something that's going to happen. And and probably less so from a from a beauty side of things, but certainly more so from a spa side of things. Um less reliance on therapists in spas. There's gonna be a lot more therapist less treatments going on. Partly driven by the lack of them. Um, <laughs> partly driven yeah. by technology. And I see that, I generally see that as a positive in some ways because I think it's going to encourage people to specialize. It's going to, you know, again, kind of weed out those that don't have the the real passion. And I think that's going to create an environment better for independents who, you know, truly want to deliver those results because then 
for people who do just want more of a relaxing, chilled out day, they'll go to the spas and, you know, the, the skin clinics of the world will, you know, have their very specific place and people will know why they're going there as opposed to somewhere else. And do you think there'll be, um, you know, I certainly, it's something I see, but it'll be interesting to hear your opinion on this, you know, such a m- more of a drive towards online again, even with ours, you know, online skin advice, you know, online skin consultations, you know, it, not necessarily all being necessarily driven in person. I think there's definitely going to be more of that. Um, you know, the, the one the one sort of side effect of coronavirus has meant we can all now use technology quite a lot better yeah. than that too. Um, so there's definitely going to be more of that. And I think that's going to allow us to leverage our time a lot better and be a bit more location independent. Um, I'd hate to see it completely go that way because I think there's there's a huge uh, there's a huge amount involved in the power of touch and yeah. that personal connection. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have clients, I had one client who always brings to mind and in coronavirus, naturally, she uh, is a skin expert. She's based in the States and she switched over to doing some online skin consultations and it went so well, she started charging for her online skin consultations. And that went so well that she then said, well, even when I open back up again, I'm not going to do in-person skin consultations. I will do them for on a Monday morning from, you know, my retreat or wherever I go or wherever I am. So she has shifted over to now only doing her paid skin consultations in, you know, online. She'll still see her clients um, in person. But, but yeah, so I think, I think there's definitely some shift in that that we should embrace because it gives us a lot more opportunities. But, I, yeah, I would hate to see everything become completely. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm just going to put it out there um, just very quickly because we're going to wind this up sort of, you know, fairly shortly. So if anybody does have any questions that they want to ask Adam, it's a great time just while I sort of, you know, we go into the last question or two, you know, to actually yeah. start putting them into the chat. So we're not sort of like sitting at the end going, oh, you know, have we got any questions? Any questions? Coming? <laughs> so exactly. But please do. Um, anybody who's watching, you know, if you're live here and would like to ask Adam a question, please do put it into the into the um, Facebook chat. And I will obviously put them to Adam very shortly. So really, I just want to wind it up with um, my final question, really, is if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what would that be, Adam? Ooh. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm trying to think back that far. Uh, <laughs> I know. I think, well, I think, I think number, number one would be, when these things called Bitcoins come out, get yourself a couple of those early on. That would be quite handy. Um, no, I would say probably, I'd say travel more. Actually, no, because I've traveled quite a lot. I would say when you get the opportunity to travel, explore more. That's probably the, I'm a big believer in not regretting things. But one kind of regret that I do have is when I was lucky enough to be overseas and kind of working in some amazing places, I was young and I was all about the work. Um, You know, I had this kind of slight misconception that I was there to work and therefore I should only work. I really wish I'd kind of gone, right, finish work now. I'm going to go explore this area, experience this culture more. Because I've been to some amazing places, but I basically just saw the inside of a lot of hotel rooms. So that's one thing I would have done. Travel more, travel younger, and uh, really kind of immerse yourself whilst you're there. Um, And the other one, just business doesn't have to be boring. This is something that I've kind of grown into a lot more over time. Again, 
from when I was younger, you sort of do things the way that that you believe they should be done and everyone around you makes you feel like they should be done. Whereas once I got a bit older and a bit wiser, I was like, actually, business doesn't have to be dull. Yes, I I actually do quite a lot of the dull stuff. I love spreadsheets. I love numbers. But, you know, you can still have a lot of fun along the way doing that. So so I truly believe you can be professional. You can be entirely businessy, but, you know, you can do it your way um, and stand out for that and kind of embrace your own kind of, you know, freak um, and have fun. I think that's a great place to sort of start to draw it to a close, really, because, you know, that's, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, on that note, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great fun, as I said. And we will see you again really, really soon, I hope, Adam. You will. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks I appreciate for it. On tonight. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you go. I really, really enjoyed hanging out with Sarah. And I thought, like I said, I thought it ended up being such a great interview and such a great conversation that it would make hopefully a fantastic podcast episode. And I hope you agree. So huge thanks to Sarah and the Skin Professionals for letting me both be uh, a part of their group, helping all of their members, but also letting me share the podcast episode here as well. So if you want to check them out, remember it's Skin Professionals UK. Just go look them up on Facebook. The group should appear. Now, don't forget, if you would like my help to add two to three grand per month to your revenue, over the next couple of months, then I want to hear from you. Just send me an email with the word money, either as the subject line or just as one word in the email. Put some more words in there if you want to, but as long as it contains the word money, I'll know what you're after. So send me an email with the word money in there somewhere to adam at beautybusinesspodcast.com. That will come straight to me and then I will reply with the details of exactly what we're doing with the money program if you'd like my help to make more money in your business. Okay, that's it for me for this week. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back again next week with another one. Speak to you soon. You've been listening to the Beauty Business Podcast. My name is Adam Chatterley. And if you've enjoyed this show today, then you must make sure you don't miss another episode. Just click subscribe in whatever podcast application you are listening to this on to be notified when a new episode is released. And if you'd like even more help starting, growing or scaling up your beauty business, then just go to beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash help. And there are a number of resources right there to entertain, enlighten and assist you in your business journey, no matter what stage you're at.